fighting for freedom every day. They're learning at a young age. They're being taught the socialist control, the ones that are blaming Republicans for being Nazis or being fascist, the ones that are promoting some type of cancel culture, the ones that are promoting some type of agenda of uh, shadow banning. Realize at a young age that, hey, sure, you can have your freedom of speech, but we can block your funding. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? It is our number two of the Voice of Reason. Moving through our weekend edition here of the show, and there's so much more to talk about. So little time to do it. So we just try to cram that 10 pounds reason into that five pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation. One radio listener. Always wonderful to have you along for the ride with us today. Bottom of the hour, Dr. Carol Lieberman. She is America's psychiatrist. We'll talk about the state of psychology, the state of the mental health awareness or mental state of the country and the Biden administration. Now, I understand that the mental state of the Biden administration is an entire hour-long conversation by itself or not because Joe Biden wouldn't be able to remember that conversation after the hour. But nonetheless, we'll break it down and see where he's at and where Democrats may be going for the 2024 presidential election since he more than likely will not be that candidate. So we'll get into all that fun stuff at the bottom of the hour. Thanks again to Will Witt coming on the show in hour number one. A great conversation, and he brings up an interesting point. And Chad, jump on here for just a moment. Have you heard this ongoing trend that is that's on social media with the girlfriends or the wives asking their significant other, "Do they think about ancient Rome, or how often they think about ancient Rome?" Have you heard this? I have not. I guess I'm living a sheltered life. Uh, living a sheltered life. That's all right. Well, I my wife has not asked me, but I do see it on social media. They are. It's and it's very strange. So. Apparently, it's mostly on TikTok from what I've seen, but they're asking their boyfriends or their husbands how often they think about ancient Rome, just out of the blue. Like, they'll be having dinner, and they just got off work, and they're just hanging out, and hey, by the way, how often do you think about ancient Rome? It's very strange, and apparently, the guys have been thinking about it more and more. Hey, I've been thinking about it daily, or I've been thinking about it every couple of days, and the question is why, and people are trying to break down the psychology of why they're thinking about these ancient times. Now, I don't think about ancient Rome. I don't have much of a connection to it. But I do, personally, I enjoy the ancient Scandinavian times, the Viking times. Which I only think watch of it when I'm trying to wonder if she actually came from there or not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, Joe Biden probably had. He was probably around at that time. That's okay. Yeah. But for those that watch the video stream, uh, you can see, and I'm going to turn the side, I have my braided mohawk. It is, I literally shaved the sides of my head, and my braid is all the way down past my shoulders now my wife wants me to cut it i kind of have to see how far this goes now because now it's in an experimental phase here it's the social experiments of my head but i enjoy that era which is what i've been enjoying learning about the history of there is a fascination of history and this is going to tie into our topic here in just a moment let me explain there is a fascination of history and the reason is is because there was a time when people were free there was a time when you could live your life and find however means necessary to survive. There was a purpose in life. I had to start a civilization. I have to keep these people alive. I have to go out and complete this mission or else our country falls. There was a purpose. Nowadays, we're trying to find purpose, but there's very little purpose to be found in many areas, which is why you see drug addictions, you see anxiety, you see depression, you see the young generation trying to fight for ridiculous things like the LGBTQ. They want to live like their teachers that are now the teachers that used to be the people growing up in the 60s and 70s that were fighting for civil rights. 
they had a purpose. They were going to change the world. They were going to protest. They were going to burn their bras. They were going to stand and they were going to fight the civil rights movement. They were going to do whatever was necessary to bring equal rights. Well, we got it. It's here. Welcome aboard. Thank you. We applaud you for what you did because it was a huge stepping stone in American progress. But now the next generation wants that same type of purpose, that purpose in life, that sole purpose for them to be here and do something purposeful in their life. And right now it's difficult to do it in other areas. We can't start a new business. It's very difficult to do so because the government red tape and the regulations and the taxes and the certifications and everything of that sort. You can't. Uh, become a millionaire unless your parents give it to you or you win the lottery or some person on social media gives it to you because they have more than they know what to do with. It's very difficult to build something. We're losing trades to actually build homes and be contractors and be engineers and do those. They're still there, but they're dwindling because people want to be in the office. They're looking to be artistic. They have to find a way to express themselves. And we're losing individual identity. And the individual identity is you, not the collective, not because you're a certain skin color, you're a certain religion, you're a certain heritage, you're a certain part of the world, whatever. You're not a certain gender or sexual orientation. That's not you. That's part of you. That is not your individual singular identity. But people have forgotten that because we get taught by the mainstream media, we get taught by the progressives, we get get taught by the teachers that your individual identity doesn't matter anymore. You're now part of the collective. And that's why people are looking for purpose. And the last time that we had that purpose is we begin to idolize these ancient cultures where they had that and they found a way to do that on their own. And it's quite fascinating, the strength of the Viking to go out and just live their life and do their own thing and not worry about what the government was doing because, well, the government wasn't really that stable, so they could just go and live their own life. Going into what's trending today. What's trending today? There is a identity crisis as well with the lack of individual identity compared to the collective. And that's what's going on with the United Auto Workers right now. With If you don't know, we had nearly 150,000 auto workers walk out as of Friday this week because the negotiations between the unions and the three major companies in the country, which is General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis, started falling apart. And they didn't get the contracts done to extend it for many of those workers. So near 9% of the UAW workers, or 150,000 of them, are now on the picket lines and essentially halting all productivity and the auto industry. Why? Because we're looking at the collective and not the individual. Here's what they're asking for, by the way, if you're wondering, like, what is this all about? And is it really justified? Because, well, yeah, you know, rates have been a little bit low for wages. We need to bump them up a little bit. In fact, there was a study I seen earlier this week that prior to the Great Depression in the 1920s, the average wage if it was uh, um, if it was updated with inflation all the way up till now, the average wage was at about eighty thousand dollars a year for the medium income, and right now across the nation it's like fifty six, maybe sixty thousand dollars a year for the medium income. Which means right now we're actually making less money than what people were right around the Great Depression time for the average medium income. That's a cause for concern. Do we need to raise rates? Probably we need to raise some wages. Now, I'm not advocating for the $15, $16 an hour wage because I think that's really stupid. We have to remember that quasi, I say this with a grain of salt, but we're supposed to be living in a quasi free market laissez-faire capitalist society where the value of your job, if you're an hourly worker, the value of your job is based upon market value on what you actually produce. 
on what you make and how valuable that product is that you're punching out on a daily basis. And that's the way it should be. Andy, that's not livable. Well, there's a reason for that, and it's called inflation. It's called government spending, and it's called raising these rates so high that now we have products that are priced outside of their means to where we can't afford them when we should be able to. And like usual, we always go the opposite direction on wanting to solve an issue. So now we have these unions saying to hell with your individualism, to hell with your individual based on your own experience, how many years you've been in the industry, how long you've worked there, what specialties that you have, are you actually of value in other areas, uh, your qualifications for a job as an individual, not as a collective, as you, the individual. They say to hell with all that. You're now part of the collective. You're now part of the union. And if we tell you to go and pick it, you're going to go and pick it, which is what they're doing for, I don't know, 150,000 of these workers. And they're asking for a 46% raise hike in wages over the next four years. 46%. Now, show of hands, you may be driving, listening at home while you're working this weekend, whatever you're doing. Show of hands, how many people have seen a 46% increase in your wages? Chad, jump on here for a minute. Have you seen a 46% wage increase in your salary? No, in fact, it feels like I'm actually making less just because of inflation. (laughs) Yeah, I can tell you that I have not seen any increase in wages. So, yes, with inflation that's anywhere between 15 to 20 percent right now under the Biden economy for the past three years, I have lost 20 percent. I have not gained anything outside of a 46 percent raise over the next four years. They're also uh, which, by the way, equates from the average hourly rate for UAW workers right now. That's about thirty two dollars an hour. That's the average to bumping it up to an average of forty seven dollars an hour which is what these individuals will be working for. Um, Again, I have to ask you, if you're the one on the assembly line, which God bless you, I've worked in factories before. So, Andy, you don't understand the toughness of this. I do. I worked in a factory before. I understand what factory work is like. I understand standing in one place for 10 hours a day because I took the 410s. I worked the weekend shift. I did Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday working the 10-hour shift and then supposedly have a three-day weekend. But when the plant needed uh, more workers because they were behind, then you work extra days. And you really needed to work extra days as well just to make up because you weren't making a lot of money. I did that, so shut up. You can't tell me that I don't have any experience. I can tell you right now, though, that job of standing in one spot doing the same thing over and over and over again for 10 hours straight does not constitute $47 an hour. That's not how that works. $47 an hour, by the way, is roughly $7,500 a month, which is roughly $90,000 a year. That is more than the average banker. That is more than most jobs in this country right now, unless... You have years of experience. You have a lot of certificates. You've gone to college. You've done all this stuff. Then you're making $100,000 a year. But I'm sorry. I love you. This is not an attack on workers, but a blue-collar worker that's going to work and just standing out on an assembly line and working 10 hours a day, that does not constitute $47 an hour. This negotiation the UAW also have also says that they would have automatic increases based on inflation. <laughs> That's hilarious. Automatic bumps in pay based on inflation to keep up with inflation. Okay. While they're doing this, Chad, you'll enjoy this. While they're doing this, they're asking for up to an average of $47 an hour. Then they want to cut back their mandatory work week from the minimum 40-hour work week like everybody else in society to a four-day, 32-hour work week. So you want 
more money, a 46% increase in pay while doing an entire day's less worth of work. Does that make any sense to anybody? Come on, man. This is getting a little out of hand. Now, whether we can agree to disagree, we can argue about the purpose of unions back in the day. I'm here to tell you one thing. There's very few things that boil under my blood and get me going more than anything else, and that is labor unions because they are affecting and they are inflating the prices of everything so dramatically. They have their finger on the pulse and the control of so many workers to the nth degree that it boils me beyond belief to think that individuals allow them to have influence over their daily lives. I don't know how they allow this to happen. And that is why I'm glad that as a school teacher in Texas, we don't have a teacher's union. And if we do, I haven't heard about it. And I refuse to join the associations that are associated with education as well. God bless you for that one. I did a couple job interviews when I was in college in Ohio. Again, part of some of the factory work. When they told me that it was mandatory at that company that I had to join the union, I walked out of the interview. Wouldn't do it. I refuse to work for a union. I will never work for a union. And I feel pity on those that think that the union is their only option. And I hear all the stories, which you can email me. And I know you can, I know you'll email me and be like, oh, this union did great for me. You can email me, who's your media network at gmail.com. I know that there has been purpose for unions in the day somewhere back way far distant past. Right now, they're not doing any good. You want to know why jobs are being sent overseas? You want to know why manufacturing is being sent overseas? It's because of crap and garbage like this overinflating your job when you're not worth that this much. I'm sorry. It's the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. Sense rationale. It's what we do here on the program. You as an individual, you are worth it. You are worth whatever you're worth based on what you bring to the table, what experience, what certifications, what uh, length of time you've been in the industry. You're worth it. I get a question, and I was uh, kind of sparring with an individual on social media earlier this week uh, regarding this issue. And they said, all right, Andy, if you don't like the auto union, if you don't like the union, if you think they're inflating things too much, what do we do about it? Because the company is making all these billions of dollars of profit. We're just the slaves of the company, which I, I love using that term. I think that was hilarious that they tried to use slave. We're a slave to it. No, you're not a slave. And here's what you can do without a union. Because this is, again, this is the identity crisis that we have while we're looking for individual purpose individuality, not the collective, which is what it's all about. Socialism. Collectivism is socialism. It's you're not a person. You're a blip in the number. You're just the cog in the machine to try and do it for a better cause, for the greater good, for the community, not for you as an individual, but for the greater good. That's all these, all these these little key phrases, these, these terms that they like to use to make you feel like you're important for something. You as the individual have power. And here's what we have to do. Now, this is, again, a very difficult thing to do because it is the opposite of what we usually do. And it's harder to go down this road, which is why it's so easy for us to go through this hamster wheel. Because what we do now is we get the union, union renegotiates, union jacks up the prices, the company loses money, the company raises prices for their goods because they have to compensate for their revenue. And then everybody spends more money, including the ones that just got their pay raises. They now have to spend more as well to get the same product, which means now 
we start the cycle over again. We go to the union. We don't have enough money to live. We renegotiate higher prices, higher wages, higher benefits. Then we get them. The company takes a loss. They jack up the prices. And then everybody spends more money on the same product. And the cycle repeats. At the same time, we have the government that prints more money and then inflates the money and then causes inflation overall throughout the nation. So they're contributing to the problem as well. The unions and the government in bed together, making things very, very difficult for us to survive. And we'll continue down this hamster wheel until we actually change course. Andy, how do we change course? What does that look like? Take power back as the individual. Have purpose as an individual. You are not a slave to the evil corporation. And while I like supporting local I'm not much into corporatism myself, although corporations have their purpose because guess what? They obviously created a product that people really enjoyed and they got to be that big from that consumeristic product, uh, whether it's cheap products, whether it's quality products, whether it's customer service, they got there to some degree because people enjoyed their product. That's how they got there. What we have to do is start pushing back against the crony capitalism, the corporatism within federal government. We have to stop the federal government and the corporations working together through ESG and some of the other issues. But no longer do they uh, do they have to actually pander to the consumer. They just pander to the government to get their government grants, get their government contracts, get their government subsidies, get their government bailouts. Now they just look for the government for their money as opposed to the consumer. If we get back to normal, then guess what? They have to create a product and they have to work as the consumer wants. And if the consumer doesn't like what they're doing, then the consumer stops buying their product and then they go out of business or they change their business model. But you as an individual, as a worker, you still live in the greatest nation on the face of the earth. You as an individual can renegotiate your contract and say, look, I've worked here for 20 years. I have all this experience. I know how to do this, yada, yada. I have way more experience than the guy that you just hired on. I need more money because X, Y, and Z. And you can do that. If they don't like it, you can take that to another company and say, I have all this experience in the industry. I've done all of this stuff. I deserve this amount of money, and I can do that. You can work up to another level, get promoted. And if all that fails, then guess what? We still have the ability. It's very challenging in today's times, thanks to the Biden economy and the Obama economy, but you still have the opportunity to create your own business, to start a new branch, to start something different and go off on your own. None of that requires the collective of a union you still have that power but they've told you you don't have that power anymore and we've forgotten about that power because they don't want the individual to have that much power over the government and corporate entities this is the voice of reason with andy hoosier Reason meets radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into it. Voice of Reason on the home stretch here, last half hour of the show. Oh, how it flies right on by. Always wonderful to have you along for the ride. Which, by the way, as a reminder, you can always go to our website, HoosierReason.com. You can uh, subscribe to the newsletter, become a Hoosier Holic, because that is the thing to do, baby. You can also find our podcast on any of your favorite podcasting sites at The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. And we always appreciate that our downloads for our podcast have been doing very, very well. And while we're continuously growing the radio show with markets and radio stations, you can always find us on the podcast where we always upload the show shortly after the radio program as well. So you can listen to it at any convenience that you have. By the way, 
As you know, Americans been held stagnant over the last three years under the Biden administration economically. 15 to 20 percent inflation, 30 percent inflation on food alone. And that's going to go up as we discuss this farm bill of 2023. The farm bill is going to include more than a billion dollars being invested into the expansion of the SNAP program. Food stamps. Yeah, I know. The farm bill that's supposed to go to farmers, only about 10 to 15 percent of the farm bill is actually going towards farmers. The rest of it is going to be for the food stamp program and other social programs. So if you don't pass it, then you hate farmers even though not much of the money is actually going towards farmers. Americans for Prosperity have been launching a new massive nationwide campaign for uh, the summer and fall, calling out Biden economics for what it actually is, which is failed economic policy. The real fact checkers are here. It's time for some get rid of this fake news, right? You are fake news. Yeah, that's what the Biden administration is. So now the real fact checkers are here, and it's time to let people know what's really going on. You can be part of the Bidenomics is Broken campaign, by just having conversations, letting people know what the truth is about the economy. Whether it's knocking on doors or making phone calls, financially supporting the organization, or just going out and talking to your family, friends, and neighbors, all you do is bring some truth, reason, and common sense back into the economy. That's what's happening with Americans for Prosperity. They are the largest grassroots organization in the entire country with chapters in every single state and over 4 million advocates nationwide. For more information on how to help this massive campaign for truth or for information how you can take to the streets with this information, find it all online at americansforprosperity.org, americansforprosperity.org, plus follow them on all of their social media at AFPHQ, again, at AFPHQ. Help reignite the American dream by calling out the failed Biden economic policies with Americans for Prosperity at americansforprosperity.org. All right, Chad, did you say we have our guest? We do not have our guests. Okay, that's all right. Uh, Dr. Carol Lieberman, uh, she'll join us at some point. Maybe if not, we'll get her rescheduled. Not a big deal. Uh, it allows us to kind of recap and finish off this conversation because I wasn't quite done anyway. So this kind of works out. The individual ability that you have has been lost in this nation. And this is a telltale sign because that's what they want. You're completely useless. You're completely powerless. And yes, you do it in the collective. And until you do it in the collective, then you can't change anything in this world. Name me one. To, well, I take that back because there are things that you can do as a group, which is why we advocate to join a political party. We want to become a political party because that way we can do it in the power of numbers. But when a union goes out there and completely offsets the private sector and completely offsets the economy because, well, they want to fight for us just because they feel like they need to. The union president feels like they have to do something productive. The union president who's taking and gouging you for your um, your wages and taking a portion of that to fund their luxury lifestyle feels like they need to do something with that money. And therefore, they're going to go and protest and tell you to go and pick it and not accept an income until you can get $47 an hour for uh, sitting there and working on the assembly line. Again, that's not an attack on the worker. And we have to be very clear because that's how the progressives and the Democrats love to twist this. That's an attack on the worker. They don't like the worker. They're not standing up for the blue collar average worker across the nation. And that's not true at all. In fact, we're actually about the individual worker. We're actually about helping the individual. And you actually have to work for it. I don't know if you've had to work with a lot of unions before. I'll tell you this story. And I've said this before on the year one time. A couple of years ago in the Wichita area where I'm based out of, our radio station, we were hosting a debate for the mayor's race in the city of Wichita. And we were using a city venue to do it. And we were getting there, getting all set up. And 
I I was trying to hook up my equipment because we were going to broadcast the debate live on the radio. I was working with people there at the venue trying to figure out how to plug in my equipment, yada, yada, trying to get everything all figured out. The guy that was there, a union worker, said, okay, yeah, that'll be pretty easy. Don't worry. Um, But I'm not on the clock for two minutes, so I'm going to go and I'll be back in a little bit. I got two minutes before I'm actually on the clock. I swear, word verbatim what he said. I'm two minutes before I'm on the clock. Really? You can't help me. You can't be like, oh, yeah, it's this cord and it plugs in right there. No, no, you got to wait two minutes because I'm not on the clock. The union told me I can't work until then. I'm not giving you any extra time. It's two minutes. I, I may be bitter. I may have had many negative experiences, but to me, unions have created that type of work life. Unions have created that type of mindset to where I'm not going to give you an inch over. Now, for someone who works a lot of hours, I just have to go until my task is complete. To them, they don't care. And this is not an attack, again, on the workers because the worker themselves is what we're trying to defend here. Unions have created an environment where we're not prideful. We're not having that purpose to get something done and accomplish something. We talk about the three pillars of conservatism on the show, which is life, liberty, and private property. And that private property part, that third pillar, means not only your private property of your home, your car, your valuables in your home, your life, you know, for someone to go and rob it, your business that you may own. It doesn't just mean that. It means anything that you produce. There's a theory out there that every time you create something with your bare hands, that your energy, your life, part of your soul is in that. Whether it's painting something, whether it's something artistic, whether it's building a house or building a car, whether it's, or even on the assembly line, when you dedicate your time, effort, blood, sweat, and tears into it, part of you is in that. And I want you to cherish that and take it in and absorb that and be uh, prideful and proud of what you create, even if it's something mindless and dull and, you know, just ridiculous on the assembly line, that still has value to whoever purchased it. If you're building a car, Do you realize the livelihood that that has for somebody to get them to and from work every single day? Do you, I mean, living in the Rust Belt, especially with all of you that are working with the auto unions, you realize how important a vehicle is to someone, how much they cherish it. Going to the car shows, looking at the antique cars, building cars from scratch with your bare hands, putting your soul into something like that. It's something of value. And you need to be compensated properly for that. But in order to be compensated properly for that, you need to show your worth. Hard work, the dedication, that going above and beyond. And again, the the American dream is alive. You can work up that totem pole. You can move to another place if they don't treat you properly. You can just stop working there altogether. You can go and start your own business. You can work up the corporate ladder. The opportunities are endless to think that we're in such a rut and you'll never go anywhere else and the evil corporations keeping you down. That is a bunch of propaganda crap that the progressives and the unions try to tell you so they can continue to have control over you, putting that glass ceiling on your life. And it's time to break through that. Why do we see the trend right now of asking your significant other if they think about ancient cultures? Is because they didn't have that stuff back then. If you wanted something, you worked your tail off to go and get it yourself. You figured out a way to make it happen. I know this is like a motivational speech here. I'm not saying a whole lot, but this is the mindset we have to get back into. I'm hoping to like hype you up here. Let's start the catalyst here. Let's be the catalyst and change some of this stuff because the union, you are screwing up the economy. I told you we were going at it the wrong way. Let's look at it it from the opposite direction. I can't afford to live right now. I haven't gotten a raise in five years. Okay, neither have I. 
guess what? Yeah, it's very tough. So I ask you one question. How do we go about changing that? Do we go about continuously raising the rates, which is going to cost more for companies, which is going to cost more for the product, which is going to raise the product price, which means we're going to cost more to buy the product at the end of the day already? Or can we finally start changing that trend and doing something productive like stopping the government from spending money, stopping them from printing money without any type of backing? That right there would stop a lot of the inflation. Then guess what? If we could lower inflation, actually get the economy back down, then we could make a decent living at the rates we're already making. What a concept. We could buy the stuff without it being $5 for a loaf of bread, $10 for a gallon of milk. We could buy those things and we wouldn't have to worry about it because even our lower rates, then we could afford it. But government and the unions have caused that inflation. Let's take it to the next level. Right now, the unions, the UAW especially, 80% of their campaign funding, which is, by the way, you that are part of the UAW that are paying your hard dues into this company that is telling you to not take a paycheck right now and go and pick it for a price that's completely absurd and out of control, they're spending that money to donate to Democrat candidates across the nation and in their, those areas. UAW's labor unions are the number one donors to the Democrat Party. What's the Democrat Party advocating for right now? Oh, yeah. The Green New Deal. Oh, yeah. Environmental policy. Oh, yeah. Electric vehicles. What do electric vehicles do when you start building them? Electric vehicles, it takes less workers to build them because there's less parts. You don't need someone to build the uh, spark plug because there are no spark plugs. You don't need someone to build the whatever. I'm not a big car guy myself, so I don't know all the parts. I've never rebuilt an engine. Uh, you don't need an alternator in the engine. You don't need all this. stuff. So therefore, all of the jobs on the assembly line building certain parts for the car, those are gone. Which means now, in fact, I saw a, a report from, I believe it was MSN, I'll have to find the article again, showed that if we go full EV across the nation, near 40 to 50% of auto workers would lose their jobs. So let me get this straight, auto workers who are saying that the unions are the greatest thing since sliced bread and they're taking care of you and creating all these better benefits and wages for you. You're paying into an organization who's funding Democrats who are pushing a Green New Deal who's going to cut your jobs. Tell me how that makes sense and how they're looking out for your best interest. I know I'm picking on the auto union right now because that's the big issue. Let's go to the teachers union, for example, one of the other major unions in this nation when we come back. Because, again, are they really looking out for the best interests of the teachers? <laughs> That's funny. We'll do some of that when we come back wrapping up the show. It's the Voice of Reasons Weekend Edition. Lots more to get to. Stay here. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. So I'm really curious, honestly, how many enemies I've already made on this program because I'm going after unions. Because there are a lot of even Republicans who like unions, which we got to admit, unions are nothing more than a socialist organization trying to corrupt the private sector. That's what they are. That's what they've always been. Maybe, and there's a cause for argument and discussion of their purpose back then. There's very, 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 very little purpose for any type of labor union in today's age and time. Not to say that people don't deserve more money, 
not to say that people aren't uh, deserving to get more money based on their qualifications and years of experience and what they've done, but a union doing it as a collective takes away that individual personal purpose, and that's what's a little bit frustrating. By the way, this union uh, strike, depending on how long this goes for the UAW, we could see a lot of money being lost in the economy. So the, the economists are like in the media who's trying to defend this is like, oh, don't worry, it's not going to throw us into recession. <laughs> I'm not worried about a recession. We're already kind of in a recession. I'm not too worried about that, but it is going to cost us roughly $440 million worth of income in this nation, which means income taxes, which means tax revenue for states and for the federal government. And that's only if this strike goes on for two weeks. Now, the last time this uh, strike like this went on, it went on for six weeks. So depending on how long this goes, we could lose a lot of money in the economy, uh, which could be hurting us pretty dramatically. If it goes on for 10 days, the U.S. economy would take a hit of near $5 billion. Put that into perspective for you. If the strike goes on for eight weeks, we could lose near $9.1 billion in income just because of these 150,000 that are striking with more possibly on board until we get our ducks in a row and get this negotiation figured out. And it's all because of the evil corporations and how much money they're making, which, yes, they're making money. That's their purpose. That's what they do is they make money. Now, are they making a lot of money? They are. At the same time, how many regulations are the government putting on? You can't have smokestacks. You have to be EV. You have to do all these new, use all these new technologies. We're essentially going to tell you how to operate as a business. So we'll just take part of that profit as well. And then you need to pay the other people more too uh, on top of that outside of the value market for those jobs. This is going to be disastrous. And oh, by the way, whether it lasts a couple of days or whether it lasts a few weeks, you're going to see prices of cars go on the uptrend, regardless of how this out, uh, outcome turns out, right? If we're not making any, that means there's going to be less on the d- on the supply side, which means there's going to be a higher demand, which means the prices that are already high for vehicles because of the Biden economy and the inflation and the uh, taxes he's put on these things for the raw materials and the production and the traveling and the gas. and You already see prices for cars going up right now. They're going to go up even higher because now we're not producing any more vehicles from the main ones with General Motors and Ford and Stellantis. If we do start making them with these higher rates for the workers, the companies are going to raise the prices for the cars to compensate for that loss in revenue, which means either way, we're going to see a major increase in prices for vehicles. Are you ready for that? A union worker. Are you ready for that one? Again, this is not an attack on the worker yourself. This is the branding issue that Republicans have right now because we don't know how to reach out to these communities. I had mentioned the teachers unions going into that last break. And I I ask you again, if you're a teacher as well, because that's the other point of conversation during the last Trump tax cuts that we had. If you remember, the United Teachers of America were opposed to the Trump tax cuts. Why? Because Trump was getting rid of the tax write off that teachers could have if they were spending their own hard earned money to buy for supplies and things for in the classroom. And they said that Donald Trump was getting rid of that tax break or tax incentive for the teachers to buy that stuff. Now, two points to that. Number one, if they actually would have read the bill, teachers actually got a tax cut altogether to where even without that tax write-off, they were still making more money under the Trump tax cut. So it didn't really matter. But the bigger issue there that I had was the teachers union. If you're really out looking out for the teachers and the classroom and the children and the quality for education, why 
you're still allowing teachers to have to buy the essential resources for the classroom out of their own pockets anyways. Why wouldn't you be advocating for the school district to be getting those supplies? So that way they're already there. If I'm a scientist and I need a calculator, you would think the university would be supplying me a calculator to do my job. But yet, the teachers union that's supposedly for the teacher and for the school district and for the student, they're allowing the teacher to spend the money on the classroom and then complaining when they actually get a better tax break than just getting the write-off for the supplies when they shouldn't have to spend that hard-earned money for themselves, from themselves, out of their own pocket anyways. See the difference? We're actually looking out for the teacher. We're actually looking out for the worker. The union is not. It's time for you to start thinking as an individual and not as a collective. That does it for us today. Back at it again next week. Until then, be your own voice of reason. Be that catalyst for change. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio. Have a great weekend.